0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647-US12-WEST in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, King, draw draw our eyes to You, Lord, this morning, please. Lord, I know some, hearts are light. They've had a good holiday, a time of thankfulness and praise, and they're just delighting in you this morning, somewhat easily this this morning. Others, Lord, I know, come with heavy hearts, and they struggle in that. And Lord, I pray that for all of us, you would draw us, draw our eyes to you, to our King. Even as now we take some time and look at your word in your name, amen. You may be seated. Now, usually when a pastor gets up and he uh, he brings some books with him, it's because he's written books and he's going to try to sell them to you, but you are safe here. Uh, I have not written anything. I did read some of these, and uh, but th- there's actually a couple things I wanted to add to Josh and Josh's announcements. One is, let's see, what, what is one of them? One of them is two weeks from today, we're going to have our, the kids are going to sing, we're going to have a little dinner afterwards, and I was told, okay, That uh, the last time we did this, I thought, hey, the church will buy chicken. And several parents said, our kids don't like chicken. And we used to have ham, and they told me the same thing. So here's what we're going to try. We're going to try something new this year. Pasta. Everybody likes pasta. Uh, So actually, Mindy Avon is going to be in the lobby for a little bit today. She's back there. Wave to us. Or should you just be back there? Yeah, just hang back there today that's fine if uh, we will have these little trays available and you don't have to fill the tray but it's your reminder I got them at the dollar store it's only 50 cents if you don't feel it is it's fine but uh, or fill it it's fine but uh, anyway a pasta dish is the idea of bringing it in does that is that we're gonna try something different that's that's something different And uh, so anyway, if you take one of those, you don't have to bring it in that, but then we'll know that you're bringing a pasta dish. We'll know how many we have. So we're going to have a little dinner in the gym afterwards. Oh, you know, I wasn't going to say this, but I need to. We are missing like 12 tables. At least, I don't know what you folks are doing with our tables, but <laughs> they keep disappearing. This is Amnesty for the tables month, okay? Bring them back in. We won't say a word. There'll be no charges pressed. Bring the stinking tables back for the Christmas dinner. If not, half the people will be sitting on the floor. Okay, wait. That, okay, that's one thing weird. Uh, second thing, a little different, and this is different, but we're going to try this this year. Uh, we've had you know Christmas Eve services before. And a lot of folks are kind of like, you know, well, that's a big family night for us. So, you know, we don't really want to do a Christmas Eve service. So we're going to try a Christmas Eve Eve service. We thought it was a good year to try that. That'll be Thursday night. A lot of people are going to be off Friday anyway. So it'll be the 23rd. And we'll just gather together and sing some praise and and uh, take the Lord's Supper together and probably have like a 10-minute message, you know, just to uh, focus on Jesus. So we're going to try that on the 23rd, on the 6th different. We'll see how it goes. If it's just me and Francis here, then we probably won't go back and do that again, but hopefully that'll fit in uh, well with some folks' family plans. Okay, and now the books, okay? I wanted to tell you about this in advance. Next week, uh, we're going to start to make these available for actually kicking off 2022. We're going to talk about having life anew in 22. I had some other rhymes I won't tell you about, but uh, but... <laughs> But uh, anyway, this one right here that will be available out there in the lobby is a one-year Bible, uh, read through the Bible in a year, and it gives you a passage every day. Uh, It's all set up in there. It's just the Bible. You're reading a passage from the Old Testament, a passage from the New Testament every day just to keep you going through the year. I want to challenge you to take that. This one is a little bit tougher. Uh, It's the same idea. You're reading the Bible through in a year, but uh, it's a little bit more challenging. They give you a little bit more to do. But uh, this is actually written by my nephew's wife. And uh, Frances has been working on it this year. This is going to be my Bible study book for, or my devotional book for uh, 2022. So we're going to make some of these available. But she kind of uh, points to how all the scriptures are pointing to Jesus Christ uh, throughout the Bible as she writes it. So it's called Jesus Day by Day. But uh, Frances has really liked it. It's changed her life. In fact, she's going to come up. No, she's not. Uh, but, um, but anyway, we're going <laughs> to. And, and remember to pray for her. Okay, uh, and then, and me. And then uh, we're also going to make a third option available. And this was written by a guy who lives over here in Niles named Kevin Halsop. I had lunch with him a couple weeks ago, but I read this little book. It's just—it's uh, kind of like some of you have used the daily bread in the past. It's kind of like that idea. It gives you a short passage to read and just some devotional thoughts every day, uh, usually less than a page to read, and uh, you might want to pick that up too. So we're going to have those in the lobby through December, really encouraging you to get into the Word of God, especially in 22. Now, you're allowed to read your Bibles before the New Year. That is illegal, but we're going to really encourage it and push it after the first of the year. Okay, you ready? Did you have an, a joyous Thanksgiving? I hope you did. Uh, these people look happy. They seem to have had a good one. We actually had our Thanksgiving dinner yesterday, and I had a hard time getting into the whole spirit of Thanksgiving uh, until I actually tasted turkey. I'm very shallow that way. Uh, so, but I uh, got, got into it yesterday. That was good. Uh, my son-in-law and I, and I have a great debate. His, his feeling on holiday food is that it's no good. If it was good, we'd eat it all year round. I totally disagree, because I could eat turkey all year round. I could have a good time. So I I think he's wrong. But we had that great uh, family debate. That was our Thanksgiving fight that we got to have. All right. We have been, during the month of November, going through the book of Philippians. And and, uh, there are only four chapters, and we are on number four today. And... um, I'm going to guess that this might be the most familiar of the four chapters. Um, There are a ton of verses that just fit perfectly, I would say, as memory verses. In fact, I just went through and marked uh, some that if you have never been to church in your life or heard anything about the Bible, you still might have seen these on somebody's T-shirt somewhere. Uh, Verse number 4 of chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say... There you go, you're all over this. Uh, And uh, verse number seven, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And verse number eight, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, some of you have memorized that before, all the things you're supposed to think about, whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are. We all know that part. We remember, we forget what the key words are, but uh, we know that part. Let's see, uh, verse number 11, I have learned in whatsoever situation I am to be, content see some of you know that number 13 might be the most popular they put this up in locker rooms everything like that i can do all things through christ who strengthens me you know that one let's see verse number 19 and my god will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. Uh, That's right. So uh, so we're going to look at some of this here. But as we do, uh, I want you to see one main theme that runs through chapter 4. And to do that, I'm actually going to start reading verses 6 and 7. We're going to back up to number 1 in a minute. But verses 6 and 7 say this, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, A modern paraphrase would say don't worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of the things, uh, one of the uh, great things that we focus on during the holiday season is the peace of God okay, and we desire to have that peace. I don't know who does these studies, but uh, I did honestly read from a study on mental health, so I'll say it like this, they say, (laughs) you know how you always hear that, they say this, well, they say that America comes in last, last, last as far as anxiety goes, or I should say first. We have the most anxiety. We're not, we worry more than any other country in the world, which, you know, when you think about the wealth of America and the, you know the. The things that we have, it's kind of hard to imagine, but they say we're way ahead of poor countries. We're way ahead of Russia. I saw that stat. I thought, good night. We need to give the Russians something. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Something to worry about. Uh, But uh, I I saw a story this week of a guy that uh, he said his wife could not sleep at night. She was always worried about a burglar breaking in. And he's married her for 20 years, and it's like she, for this whole 20 years, she had terrible fear that a burglar was going to come in. He locked the doors every night, showed her he was locking the doors. He got a security system and everything like that. But she still just freaked out. She was still afraid of a burglar coming in. So after 20 years of marriage, one day they hear a thump in the night. So he says, I'll go check it out. He goes downstairs, and sure enough, there is a burglar in the house. And, and uh, so he, he looks at the burglar and says, hey, can you help me out with something? And the guy said, what? He says, i got to take you upstairs. My wife's been waiting to meet you for 20 years. Uh, and, I, you know, you finally showed up. But, you know, in all these studies they say about anxiety, they tell us that most, let's see, wait, I wrote down the percentage over here. 85% of the worries that we have are about things that never happen. But uh, a fearful mind continues to punish us with exaggerations and misconceptions. And this isn't how Jesus intended for his people to live. In fact, in John 14, 27, he said, my peace I give. Not the peace the world knows. I want you to have my peace. And here's a great verse. Isaiah 26, 3, he says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose eyes are fixed on him. So God wants us to have peace. Let's look at that as a theme from Philippians chapter 4, so I'm going to jump back to verse number 1, and he says, therefore, all that he's been talking about actually fits into this perfect, but we want to have a great time to tie all of that together, but therefore, my brothers, whom I long for, I'm sorry, love and long for, I love you guys, I miss you guys, my joy and my crown stand firm. Uh, I wanted to stop here for a second after verse number 1, which earlier in the week I had no intention of doing this, but this is one of the things I love about the Word of God, Okay, please don't take this as bragging. You know that I do not consider myself a Bible scholar or anything like that. But I have had the opportunity to teach the Bible for a lot of years, and uh, you know, actually, this read through the Bible program was something I did back as a teenager, so I'm familiar. And I told you the book that I am most familiar with is the Book of Philippians. I've read that a bunch of times, uh, and uh, and yet. This verse had never really jumped out to me. I know lights flickered, didn't they? I see the eyeballs going. Like, what was that? Uh, this verse had never really jumped out to me until this week. It was just kind of one of those verses, like you, ah, whatever. And I love that about the Word of God because sometimes it's like I read, I've never seen that before. That is so awesome. But when I, as I read this, I. I had a text on my phone from a friend who uh, had some work, and he said, hey, would you could you come? He texted me Monday afternoon. He said, could you come down this week and help a little bit? Do you have the time? And my first response was, no way. I don't have time. It's a busy week. It's a short week, uh, and uh, that's not going to happen. But I got thinking about this. This friend of mine, when friends and I were first married, we lived in McKinley Terrace, which is a little neighborhood in South Bend. The houses, are, we had like 950 square feet. They were our neighbors. The houses are packed together. They became our good friends friends. We started inviting them to different things at church. One New Year's, they had a New Year's resolution. They were going to go to church, and they said, hey, we know those people from that church. They showed up at church. Within a couple of weeks, these folks came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and, uh, and we watched them grow, and eventually uh, Matt became the head elder of church and, and everything like that, and I thought I thought of this this verse that I just read, that these are the folks that are my joy and my crown. I was talking to Josh uh, this week too, you know, he was so excited last week, that was his first baptism, and he brought her back up alive, so we were, uh, it was a success with Zoe, but but also about that, I just thought how awesome that is, because I watched him be so excited about this, he had put into the effort to plan this reverb thing, and lined up the vans, and worked hard, and stayed up all night, and he and Jeremy and Hannah drove the uh, vans all night, and all the work they put in, and then to see somebody say hey, through this, they trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, and now they followed him in baptism, I could just tell, man, he was jumping out of his skin. But I thought about this. Paul's looking at them and saying, man, you're like my little children. I love you guys. I love you. I'm sorry. That that was a side. I just got excited about that in the middle of the week. Uh, just to say there's nothing that brings more joy than having, you know, folks that you get to shepherd and help towards the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can bring you any more joy. Okay, that was a sermon right there, wasn't it? You want to go home? No, you can't yet. Uh, okay, now, then he goes on, uh, verse number two, and he says, I entreat Yodia, a <laughs> little wonder why that name hasn't caught on, uh, and I entreat Sintichi. you know, these, these are actually good women, but we don't know a whole lot of people, I shouldn't have said that, somebody here might have their kid named that, uh, to agree in the Lord. He says, I entreat, and notice he says each one separately, he says, I want to talk to you, Yodia, and, uh, and Sintichi, I want to talk to you, I want you to agree in the Lord, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, okay, these have been those who would help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. First thing he says, okay, now we're moving more into this peace idea here, but the first thing he says, I want to tell you, Yodia and Sintichi, I want to tell you, I want you to get along together. Now, every indication that we have about these two ladies tells us that they were good Ladies, faithful members of the church. When Paul wrote to correct a doctrinal issue, he'd talk about the doctrinal issue. When he wrote to correct a behavioral issue, he wrote and told them what they were doing wrong. It is logical to assume that these two were fighting over something that was trivial. There was a trivial issue in the church, which is what most of the fights are about. And Paul says, "I don't, you know, I don't want you to have that. If you are going to live with peace, then one of the first things that I want you to do is you want to resolve controversy and you want to resolve conflict. You want to make sure that that's not dominating your life." He said, "The word is entreat you or implore you." And again, he talks to each one individual. I mean, it's kind of like he's writing a letter; they're reading it in public, and he's singling them out. Hey, Kelly, stop fighting with. I don't know, who, who can I have you Francis? Well, that's my wife. Uh, okay, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of, he singled her out. I mean, he singled these two out, and he says, hey, let's, let's, let's figure out how to, and he, and he explains why. Even though these are faithful people, by the way, faithful people fight. <laughs> they do. We're all flawed, and we mess up. We read the story in, uh, in Acts chapter 15 about Paul and Barnabas couldn't get along before the second missionary journey. Okay, faithful people, good people, sometimes there's disagreements. Well, Paul says, let's put this in perspective here. Uh, and in what he wrote to them, uh, what, he took this social issue and he really turned it into a spiritual issue. Because, you know, in writing to him there, you know, he, he says, uh, hey, basically, these are my fellow workers. And he t- says this, he says their names are written in the book of life. These are fellow believers. These are fellow children of the king. Follow them together. Okay? Ask yourself this question. Is what I am mad about somebody, with somebody, what I'm mad about, how big is it in light of eternity? Boy, that's a great question just to hold on to. These are my fellow believers. How big of an issue is this in light of eternity? Because is it worth me fighting with somebody whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Is it worth it? Okay, and ask yourself that. And that's the first thing Paul says. Hey, if you're going to walk in peace, you want to resolve controversy. Let's go on to the next verse. Verse number 4, he jumps in and he says, So rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He repeats this for emphasis, rejoice, I'm telling you this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Again, notice at the end here, he's turning this into a very spiritual issue, he says the Lord is at hand, uh, he is there, uh, we are doing, living our life in front of him, and he says, here's what I want you to do, I want you to rejoice, and I'm going to say it again, I want you to rejoice. So if God is saying it like a command, then we can know this, that uh, it is it is, it is a choice that we're making, okay? Let me give you just a couple quotes about this joy idea, you know, moving forward. It is not a sensation, it is a decision. And, and here's a great definition for it. Let's go ahead and just talk about that whole idea of a second point here. We want to rejoice often. But a great definition, they said, Fa- uh, joy is the decision to react to life by faith. Here's another one. It is a supernatural delight in God and His plan. and The writer of Proverbs in chapter 15 tells us that if we have a merry heart, if we choose to walk in joy, it's like having a continual feast. That last verse that we read, uh, verse number 7, he says, walk in a sweet reasonableness would be a great translation of that. It just uses reasonable, uh, but in a sweet reasonableness, unlike a Lord, Uh, the world, which Jesus described them as the love of many will grow cold, Uh, we can walk differently because the Lord is a hand It is a spiritual issue. So the first two things, if we're going to have peace, he says, number one, if you'd resolve controversy, don't live with stupid things that you don't need to fight about. Again, I know that there are some things worth fighting about, but if you'd ask yourself that question, in light of eternity, is this worth holding, me holding this against somebody? And the second thing is, to just choose joy, choose uh, to respond to life in faith, again, having nothing to do with our circumstances. Okay, let's go on and read the verses we started with. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do not be anxious about anything. The word anxious there, uh, when you dig into the, the meaning behind it, it comes from the words in Greek that mean a divided mind. And he says don't have a divided mind, but instead. And what God does here is he redirects our thinking. And, folks, this is the, the secret to so many different things. In other words, I don't want to tell myself I need to stop, uh, just stop this behavior. I want to always replace it. And the cure that God gives is to redirect our thinking. And where does he redirect our thinking? Into prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and letting your requests be made known to God. So the first thing uh, is the idea of prayer. If you look up that word that is translated prayer here, it is often translated worship. Now, I'm going to talk to you weird for a second, just kind of a personal conversation I thought of this, and I'm very excited about this. I, I'm, I'm sometimes, you know, most of the quotes I give you are somebody else's, and I think, oh, that's good. Uh, but uh, but this this one I was pretty excited about this statement, and some of you are going to think it's pretty weird. But the cure, are you ready for this? The cure for a heart laid low is hands held high. Okay. Hmm. Ooh, what in the world does that mean? Okay. Now here's here's the thing I have found, and I don't know. I know this isn't being a good pastor. A good pastor should sit here and kind of evaluate the church service and say, hey, this could be better or anything like that. But I don't do that at all during the worship time. Do you know what I do during the worship time? I worship. It really, uh, I have, you know, I get kind of anxious about being up here. I have trouble with with worry and everything like that. And what I need to do is just look and say, look to God. And totally focus on that. Not worry about who's here, who isn't, you know, how I'm going to mess up the sermon today, or anything like that. I just want to focus on God. And I, I, I want to tell you, okay, just from personal testimony, now listen, this is not an exhortation. You must raise your hands when you come to church. I realize that some of you, that would just Freak you out. Uh, I can't raise my hands and praise. I understand that many of us come from a culture where that's a little little awkward. My father-in-law calls us the snake handling church because he came here and three people raised their hands. Uh, and I realize for some of you it doesn't sit well. But I've got to encourage you, if you don't raise your hands physically to at least in your heart, lift that up and praise him. Because when your heart is laid low, there is nothing better that we can do exercise-wise than to Lift our hands again, at least in our heart. At least in our heart, I should say. Uh, I came from a culture where raising your hand in church was a no-no. I mean, you know, it's just kind of, what's he doing? Uh, Is everything all right? Make sure you use your doter. Uh, And and, uh, the church started to change a little bit, and I was sitting there, and I was still very uncomfortable with it. And uh, one day, I mean, we were praising the Lord, uh, singing some song, and I thought, that is so good. The worship director's wife is a friend of mine. She's sitting in front of me, and I said, I said, man, that was so good, I almost raised my hands. And she was a good enough friend that she could be sarcastic with me. She turned around and said, well, it's a good thing you didn't listen to the Holy Spirit there. Uh, And I I thought, yeah, she might have a point. Uh, And again, I am not saying, hey, I want us all to do that every time we pray. I'm not saying that at all. I'm I'm not suggesting that. But I'm just saying, you know, hey. I am suggesting this. If you've never done that in church, then don't do it in church. But when you go home, sometime when you're laid low, put a worship song on, a favorite song of yours, a hymn that you love, and sing it and raise your hands. Tell me you don't feel better. Okay? Tell me, honestly, uh, if, if you don't just, hey, I've got to praise him. I've got to exalt him, everything like that. Okay? Now if you think I've gone crazy with that, that's okay. I can I can live with that. But I do just want to encourage you to to make that. The first thing he says is in prayer and the word really there it's just worship. It's just turning our attention, it's just focusing on him. It's just having our eyes drawn towards God. And he said, when this happens, the peace of God will surpass all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to go back to our verse here in a a second. But what we're talking about in these four things is rejecting anxiety. And we're going to replace them, first of all, with prayer or worship. Secondly, he uses the word supplications, which are strong pleas or cries to God. And the third thing that he says is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for what is going on in my life, whether good or bad, I'm thankful for it because the trials of my life are the tools that God is going to use. So I am worshiping him, okay? I am sub- I'm crying out to him. I am uh, thanking him. And the last thing he says is make your requests known to God, okay? Tell him what is on your heart. You go into a restaurant, they come up and they say, what would you like? You seldomly say, well, I have a general need for food. So you surprise me with whatever you want. You tell them what you want. And, you know, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago with a friend, that idea of sometimes you think, hey, you know, what you know, what good does it do to pray? God knows what is best anyway. But God tells us, God implores us here to make our requests known unto Him. Let's tell Him what it is that we want. So that, that, is, that is why I do it. You know, and I want to tell him, uh, you know, what is on my heart, and, and share with him in that way. And then what God says will happen as a result of that is, let me go back to that verse, the last one. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your heart. It will mount a guard around your heart. Oh, what peace we often forfeit! Oh, what needless pain we bear! All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer, and that so often is the story. That if, we, if we would follow his, exam, what, his instruction here, look to God in worship, look to God in thanksgiving, look to God in request, and just plain look to God. Again, whether your hands are in the air or whether your hands are, or whether you're sitting on your hands, but in your heart your hands are in the air. Uh, look to Him and allow Him to lift uh, those burdens. And God says the peace. Of God, which surpasses understanding, will put a guard around your heart. Now I'm gonna go ahead and read a little bit more in our chap in our chapter here. Again, a verse you might be familiar with. We use this verse a lot of times if somebody is struggling with their mind and their thinking: finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Some of you may have heard that verse before, uh, in particular with men that struggle with thought life. You say, well, memorize this verse and think on these things. Again, you're replacing. But as we look at the context of what being is said here, Paul is talking about this peace. And he says the key to peace is what you're thinking about right here. I know I have said things like this a number of times recently, but I feel like I need to keep saying this and remind you. Okay, let me let me illustrate it first. I used to be in charge of a concession stand uh, at a school, you know, where we'd sell stuff during the basketball games and everything like that to make money for a senior trip. All right. So I'd go out, and I'd buy the candy and the chips and everything like that. One day, there was a mother who I can still visualize this because she was a close talker. Some of you know uh, that idea. And she put her face right here, and she was so mad at me. She said, you know that there is not one healthy thing in that concession stand for my kids to buy. Uh, Couldn't you at least buy a piece of fruit or something? Uh, And she was so mad at me. And uh, truth of the matter is, I had tried fruit. It rotted. It rotted. Real simple. Everybody bought all the other stuff. And she, and so I told her that. I said, I did buy fruit. I said, nobody bought it. And she said, so you're all about money and you don't care about kids' health. And she kind of had me there uh, because <laughs> I had nothing to say because my job was to raise money for the seniors and buying fruit wasn't doing it. So I was buying candy and, and stuff like that again. Uh, she had me pretty much dead to rights on that statement. She was right. But if you think about it, you're going to, you're going to offer what sells. And, I, and this is the thing I keep saying, but I I see this, and I feel like I need to keep saying it. In the news, fear sells. I didn't say in the left-wing news or in the right-wing news. I said in the news, fear sells. Now, they might be selling something different to be afraid about, but they are still bombarding you with, hey, here's something to be afraid about. Here's something to to, get worked up about. Here's something, uh, you know, to lose sleep over. If you want to have peace... Uh, you know, and this is why. This is why I want to, you know, get people in the Word of God and, and in His truth. And this is why I think it's so important that we that we gather and we focus on praising and you know focus on Him and get the, you know the words of, of truth in our song. That last song we sang was Psalm ninety. I, you know, look that one up and just singing the words of God in our life. So beautiful that we can do that. That we're focusing on and thinking about truth. Remember, God gives peace. To those whose mind is fixed on Him, let's go on. Verse number nine. And whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Then he goes on. He says, "I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have come and revived your concern for me, and you have indeed, uh, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity." He's talking about them showing their love for him. I think in offerings and things like that. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For he says this, for I have learned in whatsoever situation I am, I've learned to be content. See, I know how to be brought low, and Paul did. Paul knew how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, uh, abundance and need. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, I mentioned before, this verse shows up more than any other verse, probably. You know, it's a great locker room verse. Put on your T-shirts. I can do all things through Christ. And we think that's going to be the inspiring message for, you know, some little kids to go out and win the game or anything like that. And that's fine if you want to go that way. But the truth is, the context of this verse is what we're looking at today. Paul is talking about walking in peace and having that joy that's, that surpasses circumstances. Okay? He's having that peace. That when, so when he says this, what he is saying is, I can, be, I can be joyous and I can have peace when things are going good. And I can have peace and I can be joyous when things are going bad. I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. And that's where that verse really comes, comes in. So Paul says, hey, God wants you to have this peace. I mean, he's wrapping up his letter. He's telling these folks that he loves. He he said the God of peace, he keeps emphasizing this over again. I want you to have that. I want you to know what that's that's like. And please, this is, I I have to repeat this because this is the theme that we see in every chapter through Philippians. It's not tied to circumstances. Okay, it is not. And I always feel kind of bad saying this, but I want to be so realistic. Uh, Life sometimes is just tough. I mean, it is. There, there is no way around it. There are some folks in here right now that it's been a hard Thanksgiving weekend. Some of you are like, ah, oh, man, Thanksgiving great, a holiday and everything like that. And some of you are like, man, we barely survived. It's been hard. And I get that. I understand that. And Paul says, I want you to know something about, you know, a life that is, transcends this life. It gives you a joy and a peace that, uh, that goes beyond this world and the things that we face. I want you to know that. I want you to have that. And that is found through Christ who strengthens me as he gives me that life anew and I abide in him. One of the things I, I like to do on Thanksgiving weekend is is take a little time and have what kind of our church meal together or, or, or take the Lord's Supper. You know what? It just dawned on me. I'm very sorry. I've been trying to bring out the uh, separate communion cups. I do not have those today. But um, I just, I just forgot to bring, bring them out. But we have the crackers up here and the, uh, and the juice, and we're going to have that in a minute. Um, I mentioned last week when we got to baptize some folks that there are really two things that we do around here that we call ordinances of the church. One is the baptism, that folks follow the Lord in baptism and testify of their new life in him. The other thing that we do, because God command, commanded it, is uh, he said, as often as you do, do this, get in together, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember the sacrifice that I, uh, that I paid for you. So when we do the Lord's Supper, the most important thing about this is it is not, truth of the matter is, I, and I want to make this clear, if, if even like for health concerns you're like, hey, I don't really want to go up there and get a cracker or anything thing like that, there is nothing magical about the cracker or the juice. Okay, it is, it is a symbol. And it is for us to stop and remember that the God of the universe sent His Son to live a life on this earth and that life was laid down for us and that bread represents that body of his you know we're going to be singing a lot about that this next month that god became a man he took on a human flesh that human flesh was broken for us and that cracker is to represent that body which was broken for us And the life of the flesh is in the blood. That life was laid down. So we take the juice and we remember that Jesus shed his blood, meaning he gave his life as a payment for our sin. And the only requirement for you to to be part of this and to remember him today is that indeed that's where you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a church thing where you have to be a church member or anything like that. But if you uh, have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sin. I want to encourage you, and again, I, I apologize. I, I've been trying to make it so that uh, so that we had the little ones that are individually wrapped, and I forgot about those today. But at, back there in front of the um, sound booth is a table that will have the crackers and the juice and, uh, and then up here at front. And in a moment, they're going to play a little song just to help us think and meditate a little bit about the Lord. And as we do that, um, I'm going to encourage you uh, to get up and pick up a cracker and pick up a juice. Uh, or if you want to continue, just worship the Lord in your seat. Or if you just like to watch what folks are doing, that's fine. And and worship, you know, and maybe just pray on your own or what, or just witness what's going on. That's, that's fine. But what we're doing here, <laughs> they used to, in the early days of the church, they made fun of the Christians because they said, ah, oh, they're cannibals. They get together and they eat the body and the blood and everything like that. And they made fun of them for that. Understand, this really isn't a freaky type thing like that. This is me stopping and saying, and I want to do this regularly in my life. I want to stop and say, God loved me so much that he gave his son. And this is one of the things I do to remember that body broken from me and that blood that was spilled out from me. So we're going to take a little time to do that. Daniel, if you wouldn't mind spreading things out on that table back there, I appreciate it. So we have a little... uh, you can go to each side of both tables to get set there. And then when everybody is seated again with the elements, we'll go ahead and, uh, and take them together, kind of following the example of Jesus Christ on the night that he met with his disciples. Let us pray. Father, <laughs> Father, thank you. Um, thank you for giving purpose to life. Thank you for giving hope to life that is beyond this world. May we remember for a few minutes here how that was accomplished in the giving of your life for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our Father, um, I guess this is kind of uh, our Thanksgiving weekend coming to an end. Lord, I pray that um, (laughs) this kind of serves the purpose of summarizing our thankfulness or focusing on the thing for which we are most thankful I guess I would say and that is the God who loved us the God who gave himself for us Lord may our lives reflect that thankfulness as we go forth from here until we gather again probably in in celebrating your birth here on earth and that coming in the flesh and we take the Lord's Supper again together Lord I pray that We'll understand a little bit more about the peace that you want us to have and that we'll find it um, because we are looking to and leaning on you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.